0: Welcome to Superheroes of Science, I'm Stephen.
1: And I'm Sarah. We co-host Science from the Experts. Our guests are professionals doing cutting edge science right now.
0: They're experts in their field discussing what they know best. So listen up and learn real science from
1: real people. Subscribe now and stay informed of our latest episodes and show your support. Joining us today on Superheroes of Science, we're excited to welcome Dr. Paul Mathewson, who is the program director with Clean Wisconsin. So welcome and thank you for joining us. All
0: right. Good morning. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. Oh, we appreciate it. Now it's we were talking a minute ago. You you kind of started explaining a little bit to us, which is kind of nice. So we know uh, exactly what Clean Wisconsin means. Yeah. because uh, it's uh, I tell my kids to clean the rooms, but it's not quite the same. That's <laughs> a slightly bigger task we have here. Yeah. <laughs> so what all uh, is the Clean Wisconsin?
2: Yeah. Is it an initiative or is it a
0: program?
2: Yep. So Clean Wisconsin, we're a, um, a nonprofit based in uh, Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, we advocate for clean air, clean water, and protection of our natural heritage here in Wisconsin. And so we work on a wide variety of issues. We are for, founded on Earth Day in 1970. And so we've been at it for 50 years, over 50 years at this point. And so, um, yeah, we you know working on clean air, clean water, resilient communities, um, all sorts of stuff in Wisconsin.
0: Very nice. Awesome. Yeah. Now, the reason we connected with you is we—I had seen an article, one of the articles I was reading about solar farms, and uh, it just so happens as I—I ride my bike over to my buddy's house, then we go bike riding uh, with uh, bicycles, and uh, I pass a, a whole area. this last summer where they're constructing new solar farms, and so I'm like selfishly because everything's <laughs> all about me. Um, I wanted to know more about it. <laughs> Uh, all I knew is uh, what I heard on social media and from what I hear that's not the best source of information Uh, (laughs) so we thought well we'd ask an expert so uh, tell us about these solar farms it's uh yeah I mean what's going on
2: yeah okay that that, that was big wasn't it (laughs) that's a big question so yeah let's start somewhere and we'll, we'll see where we go with it uh so um you know, from our perspective, climate change is one of the biggest challenges facing us, both environmentally and from a public health perspective, uh, facing both Wisconsin, the United States, and the world. And so to avoid the worst impacts of climate change, we really need to be reducing our carbon emissions. And the energy sector is one of those major contributors to carbon emissions. Um, and, you know, historically, Wisconsin and a lot of the Midwest the energy production, electricity production has been through coal burning and more recently natural gas uh, or fossil gas. So, you know, both of those will release a lot of carbon to do it. Um, so, alternatively, um, what we call renewable energy sources that um, minimize that carbon, you know, if you're talking like a biomass burning, you know, the carbon accounting is a little, you know, a little smushy there but uh, things like wind and solar when you're generating electricity with wind and solar you're not uh, producing carbon or any of the other air pollutants um, of public health concern like particulate matter and nitrogen oxides that that come with coal or natural gas burning so um in the past decade or so i would say various states have put together um you know standards for how much of their energy production Portfolio comes from renewable energy sources. Um, Who
0: in the state does that?
2: um, I I think it varies by state. Um, I think here um, our public service commission puts together a standard. And then there's also like a governor, you know, governors will put together, um, you know, ambitious goals. Like in Wisconsin, we have an executive order from our current governor, Governor Evers, to be um, carbon free by 2050 in terms of our electricity pr- uh, oh, production. Oh, really? <laughs> so, you know, various states have goals. Um, and so, particularly in the Midwest in the past, you um, you know, ten or so years has really been an explosion, and it's getting faster and faster as the price of these renewables has gone down. Of uh, solar, you know, particularly in Wisconsin, we've been mostly seeing solar, but you know, uh, wind as well. You'll see that in states like Iowa and Dakotas and in uh, Minnesota, where the you know a little more wind resources there. So that's really, um, yeah, it's it's. Uh, yeah, I think a lot of people as they do their bike rides are going to see more and more of this around. Um, I just saw a story this morning from um, from Bloomberg saying that projections are that Indiana will have the fifth most um, new solar um, production by 2027 in the country. Um, oh, really? Ohio third, Wisconsin ninth. So, you know, the thing about Wisconsin, about, about the Midwest, is we got land. You need land for it we've got flat land, which you need. Um, so, you know, we've got the resources there, but then as I'm so we're going to get into that tension between, you know, best uses of land and protecting agriculture.
0: And, and so that brings up something that I read in the article, it kind of piqued my attention. And, uh, it's cause it's like, when I used to ride by these two years ago, these fields, there were crops. Yeah. And now all of a sudden they're going, they're constructing these huge solar farms. And so, uh, is that going to hurt crop production in some way?
2: Yeah. And so that's, um, so we advocate for responsible development of this, you know, we don't want to put down willy nilly um, just wherever it goes, you know, ideally we would cite them where, we can minimize the impact on um on agriculture and so one of the pushbacks that we hear in wisconsin is this is going to take prime farmland too much prime farmland our production and hurt our food production and so the impetus from the article you're referring to was we just wanted to kind of push back on that a little bit, because in Wisconsin, we're already using over a million acres of farmland to grow corn to produce ethanol. So that's just another way of producing energy. Um, and so we wanted to look at that and say and kind of just show that solar panels can produce that efficient that energy a lot more efficiently. So it we, it only take about a third of the, we could produce that same amount of energy from corn ethanol on a third of the amount of land if we were to use, um, solar panels instead of, um, producing corn for ethanol. So just kind of pushing back on, it's not always taking land out of food production. Um, you know, cause there, you know, throughout the Midwest, not just Wisconsin, that that's growing corn for ethanol. Um, so, um, yeah, it, ideally, you know what, if we could, if we could, you know, be kings and rule it all, you know, ideally, we could site solar on marginal land, you know, we want to preserve our prime farmland for a good production. So if we can, we can site it on marginal farmland that's not super productive, that's not great for growing uh, crops. If we can site it on, you know, I can get into this later on, you know, some of these environmental co-benefits that we can see from solar, you um, you know we can improve, you know, on farmland where that's disproportionately impacting water quality. If we can replace that with solar farms, you know that would be a benefit. Um and so this this report was just a you know one thing we're trying to get out there just to push back on those concerns and also just kind of illustrate more and, you know, get out there more some of these environmental co-benefits that we can see from uh, replacing. Some farmland, not all, um but some with solar farms. And just another point that we ca- trying to highlight um, is that in Wisconsin, to meet our carbon free goals, the amount of solar we will need, the footprint is less than three percent of our current agricultural land. So, you know, it's you know, when you talk absolute numbers, you're talking about three hundred thousand acres, which is a lot. But when you put it in the context of the overall state, um, you know, it's it's, it's less it's, le- it's less than three percent, and like I said, we're already using well more than that um, to produce corn for ethanol.
0: Well, it sounds. I mean, with the you talking about being a lot more efficient, yeah. um, it the solar panels must be a little better than they used to be, uh, yeah, twenty years ago.
2: Yeah. Yeah. They've in the past, uh, even I just saw a study uh, recently in the past 10 years, their efficiency has improved by 25%, uh, 25 to 30%. So, um, you know, that's just going to continue. I'm sure there, there is a limit to how fast they can go, but yeah, they've become a lot more efficient and a lot, lot, a uh, lot cheaper as well.
1: You had mentioned too, um, that it- replacing like where you might be growing corn for ethanol, but then instead placing the solar panels there that you get three times the amount of energy or, or something like that is, versus if you were growing the ethanol. Um, and then you'd also mention, you know, some improvements to water quality. Are there specific studies that they've been able to see where, um, you know, the, the impact of having these solar panels there is making that ground healthier, not having all the the inputs that are going into the ground to grow the corn?
2: Yeah. So um, unfortunately, there haven't been uh, that I'm aware of any actual field studies kind of empirically showing it. Uh, I think a lot of that is because utility scale solar is fairly new. And so we haven't had the time to, you know, have the vegetation develop, you know, have the sites come to a mature enough position where we can actually evaluate it. But there have been studies out there just kind of theoretically looking at it. Um and so our what we want to do now that there are some facilities in Wisconsin that are um, have been our on online for a couple of years now. Um, we'd like to you know look around and see is there an opportunity to actually you know ground truth these kind of um, potential benefits. Yeah it seems like a a lot of the pushback comes from
0: local politics. Is it more of a local politic that, that is uh, the issue when installing or trying to install these fe- these fields of solar panels than other things?
2: Yeah, um, you know, to be honest, I've been focused, you know, my role, luckily, is on the science of it and the kind of environmental side of it. And so, um, you know, understanding the dynamic, I, you know, I can't really speak to that. Um, I'm... Yeah, I, you know, I definitely understand how, you know, visually, as you mentioned, you know, biking by, instead of biking by a green cornfield, it would be a, you know, it be a solar facility, um, you know, and I, I don't know where it's, you know, where the relative, you know, pushback is coming, you know, is it a local politician thing? Is it neighbors? You know, where, where is it coming from exactly? you know that's, uh, that's a can of worms that, you know, luckily, you know, i I contribute, you know, hopefully to, um, you know, as you mentioned before about, you know, a lot of people getting the news from social media and stuff and there's a lot of misconceptions out there that hopefully that we can kind of push back on like, you know, you'll see stuff about solar panels leaking toxic metals and you know that's just not not the case. They're they're designed to withstand hurricane strength storms, and so when they're in production, they're not um, going to be you know leaking chemicals um, out of out of the panels. Um, in in in, less, in in most circumstances, obviously there can be natural disasters, and you know that's a different story. But on day to basis, and so what we try to do, from my perspective as a science, you know, as a science program director, is to provide the science to help understand, you know, these benefits and how it provides, from our perspective, a net positive benefit to um, from environmental perspective when you can replace. Some of these um, row crop agriculture, and you know, kind of explain and kind of put out there, you know, the downsides of a cornfield. You know, it's it looks great, but there are definite downsides that tangibly impact the environment and public health. And so, you can you can address some of those with this replacement.
1: Looking at the energy that's produced is is would typically the energy coming from a solar panel. Does it go right back to Kind of that area where the solar panel is being collected or is how how does that how does that energy distribution work
2: yeah so once 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 those electrons get on the grid they can go all over so uh, yeah um these utility scale ones they are you know they're plugged into the grid and so they will be distributed throughout the region um and so um You know, when you have the distributed generation of the smaller facility, you know, the smaller things like on a rooftop, those ones will stay local, you know, those ones are going to be staying local. Um, Well, sometimes they are. That's a tough question, because again, you know, it depends on how it's set up. Um, sometimes it goes directly there, you know, you know, goes, you know, they'll have a battery set up and they keep it there. Sometimes it's just, you know, plugged into the grid. Um, so it, it's all depends on how, how it gets set up. But generally I wouldn't say, you know, especially with these utility scale ones that it's local, that the energy is local, stays local. It, you know, once it gets on the grid it's distributed throughout. I see. Mm-hmm. So
0: are these like uh private companies that's being contracted to do these things who, Who's putting these things in
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um the the <laughs> energy utilities um I think they end up running them you know, in here in Wisconsin, we've got a handful of utilities that um distribute they who are authorized to distribute um energy um but it is private companies who come in and actually you know work with landowners to um arrange the leases for the land and put it and put it in the installation but then then once it's up and running it's you know it's under the umbrella of the utility um here in wisconsin or in other states i assume it's similar in other states
0: okay okay that makes sense now it's uh are there benefits to doing like a smaller scale type solar panels like if i wanted to put them on uh, I, I i just don't see as many on roofs as you used to yeah, <laughs> you, it seems like I used to see more roof arrays years ago than we do now. Are there drawbacks or benefits to or are they I'm not seeing them on the roof because they're somewhere else?
2: Yeah, um, I think there's again, this is kind of getting outside of my kind of knowledge area, but there is, you know, there's a variety of um, issues, you know, hurdles to rooftop Um Again, if we if we're stepping back a bit, you know, it would be great to minimize the land footprint of solar if we could put it on all roofs. You know that that would be great because then you don't, you know, we don't have these land conflicts. Um, but uh, again, speaking to Wisconsin, there's we we just don't have enough roof space to to do that. You know, studies have shown anywhere between forty to seventy, you know, even seventy percent of our electricity needs we could reach. Um, we have technical potential for rooftops. So even if we put it on every single roof we couldn't we we'd still need some of these these utility scale ones so um yeah um we definitely advocate both rooftop and utility because we're going to need them both you know maximize this rooftop because you're already building on a built environment so you're not having that that footprint issue um you know there are there are one main main thing is this expensive to put it on your roof um and so Without subsidies, you know, personally, and by my parents, I'm, I'm from New Hampshire, my parents put on a solar on their roof, but only because they were able to get um, some kind of subsidy to put it on. And so it, it, it was worthwhile for them, you know, they're able to do that. And so where places can either, you know, public subsidies or if, you know, a developer is able to get a group of people together to have kind of a bulk rate um, that could bring that that hurdle down. Um, In other places, in other situations, utilities, my understanding is that utilities aren't big fans of these rooftop ones, uh, because that cuts into their bottom line, you know, they'd rather be in control of it and distributing it themselves. And so there are some roadblocks, both policy wise and legislative wise to um, making it easier for um, people to and third-party developers to go in and put on rooftops. So I think there's both economic and policy issues with um, with that. At least here in Wisconsin, I'm sure it's similar elsewhere. I would think, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Now the the solar arrays, these with the fields,
0: do they do they are they fixed or do they move like oh. with the sun somehow? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, most of them are are tilted and they follow the sun. So you'll see them, you know, facing east, you know, southeast in the the morning and then uh, kind of tracking the sun. So yeah, most of them do that. That's really cool. uh, Maximize efficiency.
1: What kind of of ground maintenance does it take as well? If it's on a field, I mean, is it, does it take someone mowing around them or how does that?
2: Yeah. So um, again, that's, in the early days of solar it was basically um you know a gravel field and so but now they've moved beyond that in a lot of places and this gets that stuff that uh we kind of promote um you know with the vegetation you know with appropriate vegetation management a lot of places are now you know they are um putting permanent grass underneath and then around the margins putting in uh, pollinator habitat Um, you know, flowering plants and things like that, because pollinators like bees and butterflies have been on the decline um, in recent years. And so this is a way that we can, you know, provide some habitat for them. Um, And so, yeah, so the vegetation management is, you know, putting it in and from their perspective, they want to make as low maintenance as possible. Um, And so putting in low growing species that if you can get a stable vegetative community in there, then, you know, you you mow, you get in there mow every now and again, but um, you know, just making sure you're, you're weeding out any, you know, rogue trees that get in there. Obviously you don't want anything growing up above it. Um, And then in some places they've actually gotten real creative and, kind of partnered with local sheep farms to have the, the livestock graze around. And so you've kind of married, you know, have a marriage of agriculture and, um, you know, energy production called the agrivoltaics. And so, you know, the the sheep, you know, uh, can graze there and then the, the utility company doesn't need to pay for that maintenance. And so it's kind of a win-win when you can have that kind of set up.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, that's, cool. that's a really.
2: You yeah. said Agrovoltaics. Agrovoltaics, and yeah, they, they they tried it with goats too, but goats are a little more curious and a little more adventurous, and they they jump up on the panels with their. I own. Yeah, so I've, I've seen, seen goat goats target. jump. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they they're, they're a little more indiscriminate. And they'll chew the wires. Sheep are sheep are more suited for it. Um, so. Um, that's, a, you know, and there's also, um, examples of particularly, you no, know, not necessarily in the Midwest, cause we're lucky we got enough water and we're, you know, we're fairly humid, but out West, um, underneath the, the solar panels, it's, you know, it maintains more moisture. And so it actually creates a better environment in some situations to grow low grown crops like tomatoes and other vegetables. And so out West agricultural also includes growing, you know, food crops underneath the panels where it creates a better microclimate.
1: Wow.
0: wow well that's that's
1: great that is yeah
0: it's great i like that <laughs> seems like uh the biggest thing seems to be politics to me for yeah. things like this and it uh but it's i mean the idea behind it being able to harvest our energies in the sun i think yeah. that's i think it, it's kind of something everybody wants but like half people don't want them beside them for some reason <laughs>
2: yeah you know yeah personally yeah.
0: but you
2: surround my house with them, I'd be all right. <laughs> yeah. And again, I think if we can I know highlight, you know, again, push push them to be doing it, you know, push the utilities to be doing it in the, in an environmental responsible manner. And I think, you know, hopefully you we can make them, you know, be attractive you know not just these industrial wastelands and so like when you can have the perimeters and you have a you know a full grassland underneath and a perimeter of um, you know pollinator habitat you know i think maybe some of these concerns about it just being an industrial you know facility could be allayed a little bit
0: yeah, I think that would be really neat. Yeah. What's well, another myth? I, I was going to let you go, but it's a, I like the fact that you you talked about. I'd never heard of people saying, "Oh, chemicals are going to leak from that."
1: Yeah, I had not. I've never either. heard from
0: that. I Man, it's a solar panel. Uh, yeah. But Do you uh, have I,
1: others that are like kind of prolific. Now I want to like, know. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, I think you know, from much perspective, that um, we hear a lot about. Um, mostly, what we hear about is just it's going to impact the environment, you know, they'll, they'll, you know, that argument comes up and that's where we really push back and say, Hey, you know, ultimately I think it's going to be better for the environment. Um, you know, there's so many, there's water quality issues associated with typical row crop agriculture. You know, you have the, you have the nitrogen inputs that are getting down to the groundwater here. Um, you know, nitrate is our number one groundwater contaminant. 90% of that's coming from farm fields. Um, And so if we can take some land off and, you know, not be adding those nitrates to it, then those nitrates aren't getting into groundwater anymore. And, um, you know, similarly, a lot of our streams are for our our waterways, um, the number one pollutant is phosphorus and sediment. And so, uh, again, agriculture is a big contributor to that. And so when, you know, when the, the land is disturbed, when it's bare for portions of the year, that gives it opportunities to uh, to run off. But when you have a solar farm with a permanent, you know, a perennial vegetation underneath it that's gonna hold the soil, it doesn't require those inputs. Um, and from our calculations and other calculations that we've seen, that it's gonna reduce sediment and uh, phosphorus runoff by 70 to 90%. And so you're getting these big reductions in the amount of water, Pollution coming off of the, this footprint that was formerly agricultural uh, um, formerly agricultural land. And the other thing that we try to emphasize, too, is that we're losing lots of farmland every year to um, exurb and sprawl. So, you know, to development. And once that farmland is converted to a shopping mall or to houses, it's done forever. You know, it's not going back. But with the solar farm you can take up the stakes and after the 40 year, 30, 40 year lease, you can go back to, you know, if you want, you can go back to farming that land and, and growing crops on it. And likely the soil will be healthier and more productive when it's had that opportunity to rest, build soil, build organic matter in those 40 years. And so it's, you know, The pipe dream is that we get fusion in, you know, in 30 years and, you know, that is, you know, super, that's a very condensed form of energy. And so then in the meantime, we've done the solar, we can take it up and then convert that back into whatever land use, you know, we deem politically palatable, um, And so, you know, I think just the main thing is we need to be moving fast away from this fossil fuel burning um, in order to avoid the worst impact of climate change. Solar is not perfect, but it's got a lot of benefits over what we have. And I think there can be a reasonable balance of land use um, in terms of still keeping our best farmland in production while still um, having this um, renewable energy source. Very good.
1: Very well said, yeah.
0: it was. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: I got nothing after that. I that don't was, either. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Thank you so yeah. much for enlightening us and describing some of the issues here with the solar panel. Thank you for listening to this episode of Science from the Experts from Purdue University Superheroes of Science.
0: If you like this episode, subscribe. Give us a positive view and share the love. We're the
1: Hammer down.